Welcome to Office 365 Distilled. The show where Steve and Madame distill Office 365. Well, Moran, episode 15. Wow. So we're one away from our sweet 16. Sweet 16. We'll have to do, we'll have to have a party. Sweet 16 party. Oh, yeah. And I already know the perfect whiskey for that. <laughs> it's not called Sweet 16, is it? Uh, no, but it is 16 years old, so. That's a good, oh, ah. smoky. <laughs> yes. That is a great idea. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we've got something a bit different to finish off today's podcast tasting wise, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the people that are have been listening for a number of episodes, they know that we once went to a Brookladi uh, testing uh, where we tested testing out or tasting, testing, tasting, tasting, both of them, probably. both of them, yes, <laughs> testing and our resolve, yes. So where we tasted uh, six uh, gorgeous Brookladi uh, drums. And uh, tonight we're going to do all that again, but with uh, Glenfiddich um, drums. So I'm really looking forward to that. I think it's going to be really cool. Um, so, yeah. So am I, actually. Uh, I'm looking forward to the, uh, the, is it Fire and Ice? Cane and Sugar. Cane and something or other. So, yeah, Cane and Abel Cain something. Cane and yeah. Abel, yes. One More kills than Abel. the other. Yeah. But yes, it uh, sounds good. That A lot of vanilla and... Uh, and uh, caramel in that one, so I always quite like the the sweet finish, which is what I'm hoping for. Nice. So, yeah. well, so I keep thinking about fire and ice, but it's not quite that. But anyway, yes, so that's quite good. There's a there was an old one, a twenty a something, twenty twenty two, and a, even a thirty year old. So we're not going to continue on with the taste this time. We're going to try and record it live there. Yeah. Or yeah. we uh, because Bob's Bob's coming in the car. That's Moraine. Marine yep. is Bob, and of course, those of you that don't live in Belgium, we've got no idea what we're talking about. But Bob is the person that drives the car, and whereas we would get a public transport, you really don't want to believe the weather here. So, no, so consequently, we'll do the uh, the tasting when we get back. Not quite sure what state we'll be in, but uh, it will all be shits and giggles, I guess. Shits and giggles, yeah. yes, skits and shiggles. Yeah. All right, cool. We want to try and be serious tonight. Ooh, okay. Yeah, well, no. Okay, let's just try and be serious. For once. That was enough. All right, good. Um, We touched upon a subject that has been stuck with me uh, all of last week uh, on the idea of people change. Mm -hmm. And uh, as much as people say they enjoyed the last podcast, I can't work out why because you and I just seem to go on and on and talk about all kinds of other stuff. Oh, boy, yeah. uh, Mm -hmm. You know, people traveling to all over the place. uh, The... uh, yeah, but anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, everybody <laughs> seemed to enjoy it. So that's uh, always amazed at you people. Thank you yep. very, very much. I think Crazy I uploaded bunch. it 10.30 at night. Uh, and uh, by kind of 8 o'clock in the morning, 70 people were listening to it. And uh, yeah. I find it, uh, my hand is on my heart, folks. I really do appreciate it. It makes it all kind of worthwhile. But this idea of people change has sort of been, yeah, it's been sticking in my head. So I thought I'd like to try and explore it a little bit. So uh, I did a bit of preparation. For once. For wow. once, a bit of preparation. That's the first time. <laughs> but maybe maybe that's a good thing. That, then that way we maybe don't blabber off. And, and we maybe. Yeah. I just wanted to, to throw a few things that, uh, that I'd seen around here. And the concept, of course, is that 
Uh, when you read a bunch of stuff, and I know it because I sat reading it again today, you know, you look at Adkar and, and all those kinds of change type of things. They all talk about specific events. Yeah, I'm mm -hmm. rolling out Office 365 Teams or I'm, you know, upgrading from Lotus yeah. Notes to Exchange Email or something. Yeah. And of course, they talk about things like having desire for change and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot more people, Microsoft included now, are starting to realize that, you know, we're telling you that you need to prepare people for change, but change is a, is a constant. And we've kind of been hearing that for 20 odd years. So this concept of people changing... Um, so I was sort of looking at a few things uh, about where this might or might not go. And what I want to do is to go through four or five positive things that we've done or we would do uh, mm -hmm. to change the people irrelevant or regardless of the technology. So that's where I wanted yep. to get to. So there's a couple of great quotes that I, uh, I picked up today, which I thought were superb. And the best one is something called dynamic stability. Dynamic stability. So I don't know what it says to you when you listen to it. Yeah, I was I was thinking like, mm, what is that? Dynamic stability is that? Uh, ooh, I know what it is. It is when you are making champagne and you have to twist the bottles forty-five degrees every two days. That is a great job, isn't it? Every yeah. not every two days. No, it's it's a bit less. Every six months or something. No. But when you've got several million bottles of champagne, you have to do a few every few days. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's dynamic stability. I was actually thinking, I think what they're trying to say, well, let me read you the full quote. Dynamic stability is like riding a bicycle where you cannot stand still. But once you are moving it, it actually is easier. It is not your natural state to stand still. For humanity has to learn to exist in this state. And it's actually a quote. I'll throw a name in of uh, Thomas Friedman. Thank you for oh. being late, New York. I don't yeah. know whether I guess that was a book, but it was the quote that, uh, yeah, yeah, that got me going. Yeah, yeah. And it's true, isn't it? If you're on a bike, you sit there and you cycle and it does become easier. Yeah. When and the faster you go, the easier it is. And I was well. also thinking yeah. about um, you're cycling along. And of course, mm -hmm. we in Belgium here. Uh, you don't go driving on a Sunday morning on a nice day because you hit the, you know, the uh, the cycles everywhere. Yep. So when you've got a nice car and you like to drive, Marina and I both got cars that drive well and you're going down mm -hmm. a nice country lane and all of a sudden... 40 cyclists yeah. in the middle of the road. Anyway, yeah. but you're going along slowly and you can see the first challenge in front of you, which is a hill. So you cycle up the hill of course and it's hard work and you get to the top and then you hey i'm at the top now and i start to freewheel down and then i can move on and, and away we go so again once the cycle's going it's going good now you're looking at me and say where the hell is he going with this uh-huh uh -huh. up the hill i guess but, uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> yes uphill but i was thinking what happens when you've got one hill after the next so one change after the next so you go at the first hill and you start that's that's what they call crossfit and a cardio workout <laughs> anyway yeah. yeah i get that but imagine so. you're at the top of the hill you've done your first change if you like and you're freewheeling down the bottom mm -hmm. but then you use that kinetic energy that you've gained to get you halfway up the next one yeah, yeah and yeah, then yeah, yeah. it's it's yeah. easier to get to the next one and then mm -hmm. of course as you go down the next one and the next one but yeah. whenever i speak to a change team or change officers i often hear statements like oh i'm not sure the business can deal with all this much change and you're thinking okay so they're not ready for change then 
Is that what you're actually telling me? Is you can't get them ready for change? So you're setting yourself up for failure? No, they can't deal with having Outlook. And then we're going to roll ServiceNow out. And then we're going to upgrade the lifts. And then we're going to change the furniture. And we're going to put a new, you know, people can't deal with this much change. They'll just go nuts. Let me tell you a secret, people. We deal with change all the time. I'll use your route into work. Oh, the road's blocked. You know, coming out tonight, believe me, it is springtime here, and I'm not joking, there were two centimeter hailstones falling less than 40 minutes ago, hitting my car, and I was suddenly skidding all over the road. Yeah, We adapt to change all the time. So in a work environment, I think that we should be looking to do things that change the people so that change doesn't exist anymore. And I'll tell you about that bit when we get to the end. But anyway, so that's where I've been thinking about this in terms of change. So wow. I'm not sure whether okay. you think that's good or whether I'm going to go nuts here. but uh, I've gone all silent. You have. Wow, brilliant. You, you I, like I love that. Stuff. No, but I, I really love that because it is, it's, it's true. And I believe that every organization is capable of changing fast but there are just a few a few things that people need in order to to do that change they need to as as you said earlier they need to be aware that um how do you say that 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 the change will benefit them for example but that's interesting isn't it so we talk about that ad casting yeah you know one of those mm -hmm, is mm -hmm. is about uh, will people see the benefit of the change? Are they yeah. motivated for it? In other words, of course. I'm, so, can you tell me what ADCAR stands for now? Because I know we talked about oh. it a few months ago and we've probably not come across it since. And I actually read it this morning and I couldn't tell you what it stands oh, for. Okay, either. okay. So, mm -hmm. I'm not going to put you on the spot. Mm -hmm. But it does talk about whether people have the desire. That's the D. Yeah. So, yeah. whether desire and, and change. It, I think it all starts with, with the mindset of people. So, if people are, oh, no, I have to go to work. And is it five o'clock yet? Can I already go home? And, oh, no, this person that I'm working with is probably going to fuck up today. And Okay. That is a difficult place to, a difficult mindset to embrace new and things coming your uh, way. And like cycling on the flat... Every time you come to a hill, you have to change that person's desire yep. from this is no change to you have some change coming around the corner. So they're instantly going to, you've got to work hard at it. So I want to get to the stage where there is no such thing as change. How the hell do you do that? Well, you plan for change to be the normal. Yeah. If change is normal, then there's no change. Now imagine how much time and effort and money you can save. I sat talking to a customer today and they were talking about their Office 365 project and it was a lot of people, 20,000 people. Okay, mm -hmm. And what percentage of the, that budget do you think went into changing the people? Just out of interest, I mean, what do you think normally is? I, 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 I fear it is a very low number, like 5%, 2%. Well, they thought they were nearly successful. And okay. they were talking about 65% of the budget went into changing the people and only a third of it went into wow. the technology and the, okay. the project time and everything else. Yeah. So even after 60%, they come out of it and they're having to redo a project. No, that's not true. They're not redoing a project, but they're having to put more effort into getting people connected back in again. Yeah, but because the thing is now they put 65% uh, of the budget into change for that one project. 
But when they do another project, they also have to do 65% of change for that one as well. And what if you get people to be uh, adapted to that changing state, then you probably only need to uh, spend that money or that effort once to get people in that changing state so they will adapt easier across all the projects. Yeah, so that will probably save you money and time and effort and disgruntled employees. Yeah, and change is normal. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to get to. So yeah. how? what kind of things would I do about trying to get change is normal? Well, first of all, I would think about common branding, um, common characters, common gamification that is just there. It's part of everyday life. So I don't think about, hey, what kind of character will we have on our screens today to tell them about product X that we have to roll out in three months' time? Mm-hmm. Um, but that could be the constant change agent. So it's always you know, the young, dynamic office worker that sits there and says, hey, come and have a look at my new PowerPoint presentations that talk about. So instead of change having to be a new hill every time, it just becomes normal. And as soon as they see that branding, as soon as they see that person, the individual goes, hey, okay, something new is around the corner. And yeah. of course, what you want to try and get them to do is you want to try and get them excited about that something new around the corner. So you want to have a constant in the change. Consistent branding, consistent tools used oh. in the change so that it becomes a tool. So this is where I saw this going. So I'm a user, mm-hmm. okay? And I try and, uh, what example did I, I think about this morning? I upload a SharePoint document. Mm-hmm. And when I upload that SharePoint document, the title seems to be corrupted, not working right. Oh. Okay, all right, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I open up my Outlook, and um, all of a sudden, there's a, a new section on the Outlook application that says, uh, deleted folders. Hey, that's new. What's that? Wouldn't it be good if both of those are treated exactly the same? So people only need one process. So, for example, I go to my appropriate knowledge base. Let's assume it's ServiceNow. Yeah? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I go to ServiceNow. I go to exactly the same thing. So for, I go to ServiceNow. I go Outlook. And on Outlook, it says, hey, there's a, a new section called uh, Deleted Folders. And so if you go to the Deleted Folders, you're good to go. And you go, okay, that's brilliant. That's fine. And now, if I don't notice that section... I don't need an email telling me something's new. But mm-hmm. if I see it, I need to know where to go to fix it. So if I go so back to push that, versus pull. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Potential, well, it's about, this is just normal. So if I go back to the SharePoint example I just quoted, mm-hmm. all right, mm-hmm. I go back to my service now, and this time I search for SharePoint, and I don't see anything that implies, hey, there's a new feature that corrupts titles, ha, ha, ha. All right, I can't find anything. And so I go, there's nothing on my knowledge base. Raise a ticket because this is obviously an error. Yeah. And so your change, in my mind, kind of becomes part of my just my inquiry process. I don't have to talk to somebody in the help desk because I know where I'm going to go for all my knowledge. You know, these service now type tools are all about, hey, come here first. And if you can't find the answer here, then go and talk to the help desk type of thing. No, so even yeah, if yeah, it's yeah. a change, yeah. mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. says falling over, mm-hmm. he said, even if it's a change, I treat it as if it's an error. There's an idea. Just take a different approach. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had uh, uh, something like that as well last week when uh, I suddenly uh, got a bunch of emails from people saying 
that uh, emails in SharePoint, if you open them up in a modern document library, that they now just open up in the browser and they don't open up in Outlook anymore. That annoying that is, isn't it? Yeah. We know why, but the users don't. No, no, it wasn't that. It, the settings were all all okay, but um, anyway, it, it was it was a proper issue. Um, but yeah, you you see those things popping popping up, and and instead of people first going to a knowledge base, they just immediately raise a ticket, and then you probably have to deal with five tickets that are about the same issue, and uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you you it becomes a normal a way of yeah. treating it as as if it's yeah. one process one process yeah. whether it's change one process if it's a bug one process if I need some advice one process if I yeah anyway but it, it so also it also depends of course if uh, what kind of organization you are how big you are um, what uh, how you want to service your customers how close you want to be with your uh, people inside the organization that's true that's true. So that's one way of doing it. So this is my next question to you then in this area. So you're you're changing something in. Uh, let's do a big one. You're rolling out MS Teams. All right. Mm-hmm. You're sitting down, and uh, it's six months to go before you're going to roll out MS Teams. So, yep. what do you do with the communications plan today? How do you mean? Well, do you start the communications plan today? Yeah. You would do. I agree with you entirely, but that's not what we normally do, is it? No. You sit there and you, you get these <laughs> communications people in and you go, okay, when are you rolling it out? Oh, I'm rolling it out on, uh, in six months' time and one day. Oh, well, we don't want to tell people about it now because they'll forget about it. Yeah, or they will already get anxious about Wrong. it. Wrong. <laughs> Wrong, as far as I'm concerned, anyway. Mm. How about this as an, an idea? Tell them about it now. In fact, tell them about it before even the project's approved. In fact, tell them about it on a regular basis. Yep. Let them see the backlog is a bit too short, but let them see the roadmap about where you're going in that subject. And it doesn't matter that there's no date, but tell them early. It Communicate is coming. Communicate yeah, regularly. Coming. Yeah. And if you've got nothing to tell them about in change, then tell them about hints, tips, tricks. Yep. But have one regular communication so that change isn't anything new, it's normal. Hey, here's the new newsletter from IT. And have a change logo in the top. So when something is new, have a, hey, something new. Panda's yeah. going to tell you about something new. But tell them early and tell them way in advance. Just like we do when we did the podcasts. Yeah, Just a monthly webinar that just says, hey, look, there's some new stuff coming out. And hey, look, this is how you might want to do this today. And hey, yep. look, this is how you might want to look at this tomorrow. And hey, you got any questions about where we're going? You know, uh, is any of you starting any new tactical tools that you're wanting advice about? Hey, this is the governance on X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Hey, this is what you should do when something doesn't feel right. Not, this is what you do when something doesn't work the way it should. Well, this is what you should do when something different happening. This is what you should do whenever something doesn't feel right. So mm. change becomes the normal. Yeah, and you also want to get that conversation started with your end users that they can also... Uh, give that feedback and give their replies and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. I, I really loved the on the last podcast uh, the piece you did about uh, the program manager that you were talking about and you had this workshop where you had over 100 suggestions uh, from the people that you were uh, in the workshop with 
on how they would use Office 365 elements in their daily job. Yes. And that that became your um, your um, planning for the, the 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 next upcoming months. Yeah, the roadmap. I think, yeah, hey. I think that is that is a super valuable way of doing that because then you uh, have your end users that are really involved in the process. They see for themselves, oh, this is this is gonna be super cool. This is gonna make my life so much easier. And then they are the driving force or the requesting party behind change and i also think that will make it so much easier for them to uh, acknowledge and adapt i think you're right i think so anyway these, these yeah. are all ideas i'm just spitballing mm -hmm. stuff around that i've been mm -hmm. thinking about this week here's something else on that and listen just keep this to yourself okay just come just, over here just just, just the two between of us. you okay. and me listen just imagine that you're a contractor or a consultant Oh, and yeah. you suddenly mm -hmm. have 15 months of roadmap work to do on your teams. Oh, no. So they're going to extend your contract. Oh, yeah, they have to. So, But just keep that to ourselves because that might yep. be deemed as unethical. <laughs> <laughs> We're not doing mm -hmm. it for that. No. The, no. the agile way, especially the agile at scale, says, you know, get this roadmap in. It will change, but at mm -hmm. least you've got all of the information you need. And I don't know why I'm actually looking like I'm a policeman directing traffic here. <laughs> I kind of talking with my waving body. Waving your here. arms. Yeah. Watch out for the whiskey collection behind you when you're waving your arms. Yes, but we are in a bar today. Well, we're not actually. We're in Moraine's bar today. Actually, you have some whiskey stories to tell. We didn't do this earlier because I'm, now, I'm now looking at... Let's leave them for later on. We're really? on a roll here with the, with the whole uh, oh, okay. driving change. Yeah, but this is normal. There's no change. No. Yeah. No, but still. All right. So let, let's, let's just touch on something else then. This is one of your favorite subjects. Again, we say, all right, so wouldn't it be good if we had champions that could help us with this change? Mm -hmm. Why would I want champions that only have part of a job to do? Why would I only want them to know about this a change that's coming around the corner and then I want them to forget about it. So I trust these people and I tell them my intimate secrets about the technologies that's coming around the corner, expect them to tell their teams about it and then expect them to just forget that and kill that relationship. It's not the way you see champions working, is it? No, of course not, no. Those champions, they could be your change champions as well. Change so is I, I normal, remember? Uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I don't see champions as a as champions for a specific technology, but champions for change in general. So you just get those cool people that everyone looks up to uh, and uh, get those people involved. And if everyone sees how easy and quickly they adapt with changes, they might go change easier as well. But that's very besides the point. No, but I think um, the you, you're touching on a key point there, and that is that it's normal for this champion to be introduced to the new starters. Absolutely. So yeah. these champions could be part of your join a lever process. Yeah. So they are, hey, well done, welcome, shake your hand. He says, miming, shaking hand. Let me uh, show <laughs> you where the bathrooms are. That's where the bathrooms are. And this is our coffee machine. And the magic number is 85. That is the best coffee out of that coffee machine, 85. Hey, and let me just invite you to uh, spend a few minutes here with Moraine. Now, Moraine is our 
normal officer because you can't be called a change ambassador anymore. He's our normal <laughs> ambassador, and no, he no, will no, just no. tell it's, you about it is, how we work here. It will be the progress ambassador. The progress Let's ambassador. Let's not call it change because change, change is, is bad normal. Name. Change is bad. Change has a bad reputation. So let's just call it progress instead of change. A progress because champion. We are, no, yeah, because we are trying to to move forward in life. We are trying to move forward with our technology, with our people, with our organizations. So let's not call it change. Let's call it progress. That's interesting. If you're a new starter and you get invited to somebody and say, oh, this is the change manager, you're going to go, so they're going to deliver bad news to me all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but seriously though, but if they become the regular person that is well connected to the IT department that's g is on the inside line of the IT department, of the HR department, mm -hmm. of legal, yep. if it's some kind of government or, or financial institutes, maybe the uh, compliance. So they have the inside connectivity to disseminate that information around the team, yep. then change becomes normal and that becomes somebody that I should get to know. Yeah. Because now we're talking about technology change, but change could be all kinds of ways impacting an organization could be an hr policy change so we're going to abolish change and make it normal yeah and these are a few ideas on on how we could do that absolutely so if we get this together we all these ideas so champions become a consistent um uh, role uh, within mm -hmm, a team mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. to be able to sort of keep everybody well communicated yeah if change we don't worry about a particular kind of way it's different. We just stack them one on top of the other and we make the change process the same kind of process for everything else that we do around technology. I know we're talking about technology, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm, hey, mm -hmm. how do I fill out an expenses form? Yeah. I go to the same place as if, uh, hey, my printer stopped working. Uh, hey, I found a new button on my SharePoint page. Yeah. Uh, same process. So again, change becomes normal. And the conclusion of this is that your capacity for change increases. In fact, it's infinite. Yeah. Because change doesn't have to be planned. It doesn't have to be budgeted for. It is consistently just a new introduction of something that people only worry about when they meet it. Okay, now I get it. If we suddenly go from Lotus Notes to Outlook, it's a significant... We need a new uh, word for change. <laughs> it's a significant progress. It's, <laughs> it's a significant event, event in yes, our working yes, life. Yes. So sure. there will need to be some special kinds of communications. But you wouldn't organize something and say, hey, guys, you need to find two hours of your week this week to listen to this podcast. You just include it in all the other forms of communication that is sure. coming out there. Yeah. You know, Which so could be a podcast, which could be a video, which could be a breakfast session yep. or a lunch session which could be a uh, an email newsletter could be whatever uh just get creative no i yeah. agree and we talked about that workshop last week the one that brought all those uh, so i've now got two other large locations uh scheduled for for the coming month to repeat the same thing nice because yeah. we're kicking off yeah. these webinars so we will then do them every two weeks to start off with um, and then after the summer, every three or every four. And that's where we'll start sharing that uh, uh, the backlog and the roadmap yeah, yeah. Yeah, of, of where we're going. Yeah. And the other thing about all so this... So can, can people also influence that roadmap? Oh, can that's they the whole vote? point. Yes, this can is all about agile. Yeah. All about agile and agile at scale. So it'll either be a vote 
uh, or it will at least will be, hey, when are we going to do this? Well, I'd like you to do it next week because it would really make a big impression on my business. Have you got the money for it? Yes, because I want the value. Yeah. That's the whole point of this. So if you do that, the value is high because 75% of the organization do that. I have no idea, to be fair, in the business from an IT perspective, what the business do. The, mm-hmm. old, the old style business analysts do that. So, yes, they see the roadmap and go, that item you've got there for six months' time, we've just had X and Y happen, and if we had that then, we would have saved that much money. So can we increase the priority? And there's a special role called the uh, product owner. And their mm-hmm. job, of course, is to go, hey, so that's what you do out there in the business, and we can improve that by doing this and, and vice versa. So, yes, very much they can influence it. So there you go. I think that change should be normal, and I hope that people have got a few ideas out of this on how they can make change normal. But the big thing is, don't make it special. Change isn't special. It's normal. So start those communications now, even if you have nothing to change. It's like when your baby daughter or baby son, when they trip over and they almost start to cry, and when they look at you, and if you just act, normal they'll just act normal as well but if you go to them like oh my god are you okay then they'll start to cry of course yes of yeah. course like when the so daughter the brings thing. the boyfriend home for the first time you know and you see the look in his eye and you go i had the look in my eye when i was your age yeah the last thing you want to do is mention it <laughs> <laughs> the last thing you want to do oh. is mention it otherwise you get oh dad yeah yeah that doesn't oh, work oh boy <laughs> so okay. can we go back to these whiskies there's some new ones here my friend yeah. And so, there's some that look like uh, urine testing bottles. <laughs> but I'm sure well, they're not. I actually just came back from uh, Scotland uh, after a really nice trip in uh, uh, Isla. For it example. wasn't business this time either, was it? It, it was, was pleasure. not business. It was, it was more, uh, more pleasure. Although we had some business uh, components there as well. Of course, we did. Uh, we talked about that in the last podcast. You need to have some business components. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no. But also, I just had some uh, really good. Uh, uh, sessions as well with uh, some people um, but let's just do one story every yes, podcast because, because you had a lot of stories last podcast yeah. Yeah. so a story for just let's do introduce this here so ladies and gentlemen please enjoy the story from Moraine in Scotland yeah <sighs> <laughs> yeah so yeah no, as you mentioned I, I brought back a number of uh, little tasting bottles uh, because just buying large bottles is just it just gets price crazy. Um, so these small testing bottles they they're just perfect to make me uh, get me a good uh, smell and feel and taste and that works. So uh, the story I wanted to tell uh, first on this podcast was a story that I heard at a number of distilleries uh, because they're all using uh, big mills to make the big grain smaller uh, they, they break the grain yeah, down, they yeah. break the there's, grain, there's yeah. a work for that is it cracking cracking yeah something cracking, like that yeah, so they, yeah, and the they do down. it in three in three grades of of uh, roughness just so like the coffee when you grind your own coffee yeah, i can decide true. whether to yeah. do it fine or whatever and it, and it has yeah. a different effect yeah. on the process so you got uh, the the big course the medium course and then the the the, the powder and you don't want to have too much of the powder otherwise when you start to uh, add water to it in the next process then you will get a big pizza dough and then everything will break and that's actually what happened at Brookladi 
when they did the bear. One story, one story. I know. You were yeah. talking about the yeah. mill. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, so, but anyway, that happened to Brooke Laddie that they broke uh, the, 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 uh, still. For, yeah, the not still. the still, but something else that, that actually turns around and uh, mixes the grain with water and they had too much uh, powdery stuff from that bare barley in there and they made it, cement. it broke. Yeah, it, it turned into a big pizza dough. Yeah. So that, that broke. Um, but the, the, the big mill that they're using, they're all, Th those mills are 60, 70 years old, and they're all made by two big uh, corporations, and one of them was Porteus. And just to get people's mind, so in my mind, they're kind of like the bread mills. They're two big stones with grains in them that twist. No, no, it's it's a it's a really big machine where the grain comes from the top, in falls between in. Two circular things yeah, that I've it. got no idea how it looks from the inside, but it goes from the upside in. It gets uh, grinded and then it, right. it falls down. Okay. And they actually can do pretty hefty amounts. So I think they could do, what was that, 1.5 tons per three hours. Wow. Or something like that. Crazy, crazy amounts. But the thing is, those um, Porteous mills. So Porteous, they went out of business 50 years ago. Wow. And the problem why they went out of business was that their mills were just too good. And I it guess just they just kept on going. They never needed repairs. They never needed spare parts. And so actually Porteous, they made mills for all distilleries and breweries uh, in the whole of England and Scotland and Ireland. And when everyone had one, they couldn't sell anymore. And so they're, they just dried up. They didn't build enough error. Yes, <laughs> yes. It's not like modern-day cool. washing machines that break down after 2,000 washes. So they went but bust. Yeah, and they went bust. So is this machine one of those things like the, the bad guy always ends up sliding into at the end of a James Bond movie? It, it, it kind, kind of looks of thing, like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With big handles and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. yeah. All right, yeah. cool. But you had a good time in Scotland? We had a Did you count time. how many different whiskeys you tasted? I did not, but... Well, no, we no, no. Did. The answer is that I did count, but after about ten, I just couldn't remember where <laughs> I was anymore, and so. No, we we what we did was we visited all nine distilleries on the Isle of Isla. Oh, beautiful! Uh, so we we visited all those because we just love that Isla whiskey. Um, we visited all those, and then um, we went back to uh, Edinburgh. Uh, where and that's story for another time. Yeah, the, next the time we had a hidden bunch whiskey. of whiskeys there as yeah, well. I look forward so, to that story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, cool. So that was Moraine and his his whiskey. So we're we're actually going to close down now. I I really really hope you like this, and I you didn't think I was just talking crap uh, about changing the people because I really 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 believe that is the way to go. Change is going to get more, not less, and we can't. And we have to change the process around change. So change becomes normal. I'm sure yep. that was clear. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So. All right. So we're going to go. We're going to go and taste some Glenfiddich. And, yeah. We uh, have and to then hurry up, actually. We yeah. will. Yeah, we do. And then yeah. we'll tell you about it. Uh, hey, when we come back. Later on. Yeah. Bye for Cheers. now. Okay, Moran. So here we are. We've just uh, spent two and a half to three hours. Mm -hmm. tasting Glenfiddich whiskey which I have to say converted me I had a bit of a holdover as a teenager drinking Glenfiddich thinking yeah. 
what the hell is so special about this? You know, all mm-hmm. the kids at college and go, oh, have you tasted the Glenfiddich? No, but I Ooh, will. Yeah. And then, man, I really don't like scotch. Definitely the Irish. Definitely yeah. the Jamesons mm-hmm. as a younger mm-hmm. man anyway. But that was a bit of a conversion. I it enjoyed it. It was very interesting to see that these seven whiskeys that we tasted. <laughs> I only remember the first five. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I'm not joking. No, that these seven were all very different. And that was... Uh, and also different in a very spectacular way. Not just like more or less the same, but yeah. So we can divide them into three, really, can't we? The experimental whiskies, which we'll talk yeah. about in a mm-hmm. minute. Mm-hmm. The traditional, I guess. Mm-hmm. And that rather spectacular 30-year-old that came at the end. Yeah. So well, even there's even one... Uh, no, no. I would say there's even another category that was the uh, the peated one, um, which wasn't an experiment. It was the, um, the fire and uh, fire and king? Okay, me but and your beautiful lady here on the other side of this table are trying to work out where you got peat from. It was a peated whiskey. Was it really? It was peated with uh, space-side peat, so it's not the same as uh, Isla peat. And the Isla peat is much more, it's much more sea tones in there than the space side peat because it, the, the peat was just created in a different way. The peat is, is dead animals and dead plants rotting in the, in the ground. And uh, in space side, you just have different animals than you have on Isla and different plants. So, so that's why it was totally tasting different. I... Liked the taste of it, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I didn't taste the peats by a long way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm fairly honest that whatever dead animals are in the peat that actually smokes the malt probably has nothing to do with the flavor of the whiskey. Of course. Oh, it of, does. Course. of course. It does. So I can see it now. Oh, this is a beautiful peated whiskey. Can you taste the, the rat. mammal <laughs> that died in this peat? To actually taste it, as opposed to the peated one yesterday, which had those whale bones in it. <laughs> I'm not so sure. No. Okay, okay. What are you laughing at? This is fun. So just yeah. to, just mm-hmm. to let everybody yeah. know here, we have uh, myself, of course, and Moraine, and Moraine's wonderful other half, Sandra, who was also at the whiskey tasting today. Yeah. And she's just laughing at us two, rabbiting on here, talking sure. about whale bones and rat bones, yeah. tasting whiskey. Yeah. And to be honest, after six, uh, seven whiskeys... You see, you she, can't even remember the number. She gets pretty funny as well. Well, I only drank a little bit because I brought five really nice glass tasting uh, <laughs> bottles with me. And, of course, before uh, between us getting out of the car there and walking seven. into the whiskey shop, <laughs> I actually broke one bottle because I dropped the bag. Just to prove um, the smoking is bad for you, is trying to juggle his vaping machine and then drop yeah. the bag with the empty yeah. bottles in. Mm-hmm. So and he felt like bad. a real ass. Yes, absolutely. But I was very good. I didn't laugh at him too much. No. But that's just goes to say if you ever go to a whiskey tasting don't feel if you have to drive and if you have to drive back home don't feel bad to bring uh, little glass containers uh, where you can put the rest of the whiskey in Uh, it's a common practice a lot of people do that so don't feel ashamed to do that Um, and it would be just bad if you just have to leave half of the whiskey there and you can't drink it 
Reminds me of a great story that Jasper Carrot used to tell. Jasper Carrot was a, a folk singer-comedian in the UK, and he tells the story of going to the hospital and having to take a, a urine sample in, and the only bottle he could find was a whiskey bottle, and then he left it on the bus and forgot. And so he kind of imagined <laughs> people finding this bottle going, Hey, look! Bottle of whiskey! Yeah, it's, got, it's kind of got the same color, so yeah, okay. All right, but go, yeah. I have to no. say, uh, everybody in this room here, I really didn't get the peatiness of that, uh, of okay. that whiskey, that's but okay. that's cool. So you think that there was four groups, four but categories. they were cool. Yeah, yeah. okay. Right. So maybe we'll just Tell have us what to you think. run through all seven of them. Very that's brief. true. I mean, I don't have to be at work till 8 o'clock in the morning, so we could do all seven. Why don't you just choose your favorite one, and then we'll follow up on that one. No. No. Okay, no. we have a disagreement. I just, I, no, I just want to very briefly touch on every single one of them. Okay, that's okay. But you do so that. Very, I'm going to go and make a cup briefly, of coffee. Very briefly. Off you briefly. go. Yeah. So we first started off with the um, first experiment. Uh, so they, uh, Glenn Fiddick is going to do six experiments. And this was the first one. And this was a whiskey that was a uh, 20-year-old whiskey, 20-year-old um, barrels uh, that whiskey was in and they uh, kept it in IPA barrels for a few months um, so let's compare that one to the Jameson's IPA that we tasted a few months ago oh yeah 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 because I, I yeah. felt they were very different the Jameson's IPA one I remember thinking I wasn't going to like this so when 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 I smelt it the nose of that IPA one was so so but I do remember drinking it and thinking wow this is superb and so much so that you left to drive home that night and I mm -hmm. filled up my glass before you went. Yeah. Actually, I guess yeah. that's probably... That was the uh, stout yeah. barrel, by the way. Oh, was it? Yeah. The cask, it's, mate. It's kind of a different thing, but different I, I, understand, I understand what you're trying but to yeah, say. Yeah, they're different. And it's also, uh, the guy who was explaining it, he also said that you probably wouldn't taste the IPA part in it, but if you it. would uh, taste it a glass of... IPA finished or non-IPA finished, you would probably get a little different hint. Okay, no, I can so, understand that. And, and I, yeah, I totally get that. Oh, don't get me, I enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, the and whole it, was, it was definitely good, very fresh, very fruity. Um, I had a bit of sour aftertaste as well, so a bit of sour taste around the, the tongue as well. Uh, and then we went on to our second one, and that was the second project. And that was called Project XX, and XX stands for 20. And that's not 20-year-old whiskey, but that is uh, 20 brand ambassadors that they all got together at uh, Glenfiddich. And they, all, uh, they asked them to do a tasting, and each of them could point out which barrel that they liked uh, the best. And then their master distiller just drew everything together and made a really, really, really nice warm strong nose um, very nice uh, whiskey with it so that's called project xx really good uh, i definitely recommend everyone to try that. what did i say about that so um i i agree that was a very nice drink it was one of my top two drinks yeah. definitely mm -hmm. uh, a late night dim lights with a sweetness that has depth and length on the tongue kind of you know it's one o'clock in the morning you've just come in from a night out you've got yeah. the lights on dim and you want to just have a closing drink it was yeah. it was definitely Actually perfect that for kind. now 
Yeah, but yeah. funny enough, do we have yeah. one? No, oh, okay. No, we don't have one. But what I really liked about that was the orange on the nose. Yes. All right. Um, uh, orange on the nose, toffee and honey on the finish, and a, and a taste in between that kind of linked them together. I really liked that one, mm. very much so. Yeah. Yep. And, and that one I really, I mean, I said it to the guy, didn't quite get it what I meant, I don't think, but, you know, I can imagine that being really good after 10 years. Because that, that sweetness as it gets into the barrel and the smokiness, I think that would be really excellent. Yeah, absolutely. That's good. Yeah. Number three was the Fire and Cane. So that's the Bayside uh, beat that was in there. Uh, finished in a rum barrel. Uh, very, very good. Also heavy on the nose. We got that uh, boat that cheese. Uh, we did. That was very yeah. strange, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that was kind of, yeah, that, that Roquefort blue cheese. Yeah. Uh, kind of thing, yeah, absolutely. That was that was so, also pretty cool. So that one for me was was all about the contrast between the nose and the taste. Yeah, because the taste yeah. was kind of it kind of just flowed away with a touch of honey in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the 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 I, I went on to call it bitterness on the nose, but um, I'm not quite sure how to describe that. But it was definitely that kind of old sock cheesy kind of. Yeah. really strange smell that uh, it wasn't a bad thing don't get me wrong no 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 but, and a but little bit good. salty as well yes um, to finish it off yeah mm-hmm. my yep. back that was that was interesting mm-hmm. I've been watching that advertised on some of the UK TV so is it, it was too new even to be on my tasting list yep. so, yeah mm-hmm. yeah that was no, interesting also uh, yeah interesting. interesting so while the, the Project word. XX was very delicious yes. this one was interesting, interesting. yeah I could live with that yeah, yeah. so that was the three eight the three experiments. The three experiments, yeah, because that was experiment number four. Uh, so they are going to do two more, uh, but they haven't come out. And then we went uh, to the eighteen-year-old, uh, the traditional Glenfiddich. Yeah, and that was a small batch, so that means that they're only doing small ba- a number of small batches, and every batch taste uh, could taste a little bit different. Um, so that was very fresh whiskey so lots of apples and pears um in there uh, also combination of bourbon and sherry casks but um, not too much on the sherry because i not, actually no. didn't dislike it and i would have done if it was uh, yeah but this is the apricot one yeah and I, I kind of found that it was kind of unbalanced really i'm not sure let's just check what i put in my notes was kind of all yeah, all over the place. No, I I again I think we were drinking whiskey, different whiskey. Uh, we we weren't really. The the apricot I got immediately on the nose, mm-hmm. uh, and then it, again it trailed off with the wonderful um, salted caramel mm-hmm. in between. But the uh, and it kind of just followed through uh, in terms of the taste, kind of fading finisher finisher honey I've got here, but. I started off by saying this is a wow whiskey, super smooth and subtle flavours. Yeah. I liked it a lot. I like that very much. No, no I, for me, not that much. So, well, 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 well. Um, so then we went on to the 21-year-old, which used to be called the Havana Reserve with uh, rum barrels from Cuba. But then uh, they couldn't sell those in the US because of the whole Cuba ban. So then they renamed it to Grand Reserve. Twenty-one-year-old uh, premium Reserve. one, uh, pretty hefty priced, but that one was definitely uh, one that really stood out. We should say that none of these were particularly cheap. 
I mean, I'm just sitting here looking no, at a euro true. price here. Yeah. The the IPA experiment, for example, is like a it's the same price as a Lagavulin 16 year old. It's 80 mm -hmm. euros. Yeah. And I know which I'd prefer if I was comparing those two, for example. Yeah. But I know. Yeah. So the 21 year old indeed is is was very was 400 euros something or 300 plus euros, uh, pretty hefty priced. Um, but I think it was just uh, brilliant. It was just, uh, yeah. I, I love the elegant finish. I love the gold color. I love the really, really, really long finish that you had uh, out of it. Um, uh, yeah. Also, the, the fact that it was finished in that rum barrel uh, gave it that slightly different taste it did yeah it was good um, so we definitely need to try more of those rum barrels absolutely and then we had the 26 year old yeah let's just hit the 21 i've got a, a few yeah. notes here that, that i said that uh, um i i kind of said i'd like to give it more than an eight from my eight of ten scale mm. but i sort of reserved that for a good smoky malt and it and it, and it wasn't that but mm. Um, every sip is an adventure from the sweet almond nose at the start to the fruity taste and the long nutty finish. I mean, that I think sums this up. So it was was the text I used here. Uh, but uh, yeah, surprises. Twenty-year-old. It's a good, good whiskey. I really quite enjoyed it. Enjoy was it was really, really good. Yeah. Um, and the difference for me in these three whiskies we're talking about at the moment mm -hmm. is the difference between the difference a day makes. Da -da -da. But, you know, from 18 to 21 was very different. Yeah, and then yeah. with 21 to 26 Six. is where we're going next. That I yeah. loved that transition. To ever put this tasting together really thought about it yeah. well. So, yes, the 26-year-old. 26 was, um, after that 21, was the 26 was kind of disappointing. And we both felt that it was kind of uh, when 18 and then... All the way to the top 21 and then it kind of fell down 26 um, uh, it's yeah first fill bourbon casks um, it had a long finish um, but it had no nose kind of a bland taste for me um, but it was also very in your face with those first fill bourbon casks they give so much flavor or so much yeah, just that that in your face uh, whiskey. Kind of missing, wasn't it? No, it was it was very much there for me. So it was kind of like hitting uh, yourself on the in the head with a hammer. Okay. Uh, kind of thing with that 26 year old. You're and shaking that was, or nodding, my dear. And that was kind of overpowering the whole experience. You you can have that. Too. Oh, well, you know, I drank all of the previous five, so by this time I was fairly, uh, I was going to say stoned, but that's not really true. Mm, no, that's uh, but, yeah. but I only gave this a six. Yeah. So it was a certainly not as good as the 21. Yeah. No. Uh, and it was a personal thing, so I like a whiskey with some depth, and this, for me, is taking it one step too far. It's a delicious drink, but when I want to taste a whiskey, I want to taste depth. Yes. And it kind of was missing. Yeah. So... So I and I, to, to be honest, uh, I also have that with my cigars every now and then. So I've got my cigars nicely in a humidor, so they stay uh, moist. And the oils from the cigar also travel to the cigars next to it. And if you keep them in a f for a few years uh, together, they all blend a little bit and they get softer and rounder. But if you 
keep them for too long also the taste goes really bland and goes away so, um, do the cigars not sit there and go hey smoke me quick I'm losing it I'm losing it no because it's it's kind of the same thing like with um, like, like with whiskey if you keep some cigars next to other really good cigars it could uplift the quality or the taste of a cigar um, but if it's yeah it it, it balances throughout the years like it could go down and could come back up and that struck me midway through this evening sitting in a store with 30 other people sitting close together around sort of hastily erected wooden tables with paper tablecloths on the top of them drinking whiskey is not the same as when we did Barcelona for example in that wonderful banker's bar sitting in those great seats even though the whiskey would have been the same it is about the whole thing isn't it it's about yeah. the environment and, and even when we taste whiskey here with the with all this equipment around to do the podcast it's, it's not quite it's not the same no. I get that yeah. but that's fine yeah. I think and we're then, more or less on the same for that one and then we got the last one that we tasted number 7 that was a 30 year old and that turkey was year old the turkey yeah the turkey year 30 old yeah. the 30 year old year old and that was for a lot of people the uh, number 1 that was on there um, for me um, very typical cherry uh, I got a little bit of mint I thought but then when we discussed it uh, I could more put it into ginger, ginger. Yeah. Um, so not really minty um, I love the color but that deep gold color that was really really nice I'm really happy that I got uh, a tasting bottle with me uh, from there so that I can still enjoy it uh, one of these days. No, that's true. You do realize I'm sleeping in this room tonight. I do realize that. So when I wake up in the morning tomorrow, it could be that some bottles are missing. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah, I, um, I give this an eight because, again, uh, I like to reserve the smoky. You know, when you taste a 30-year-old whiskey, it has to be good, and it is great. Everything is subtle and keeps returning to remind you of the great flavors of a Glenfiddich. Very awesome. But I was also reading the notes on how they put this thing together. Uh, we talked about it on the car on the way back. Yeah. In that the kind of, the, uh, the malt master, the malt master at Glenfiddich, every year gets to pull together the best in terms of varieties of 30-year-olds that he he wants to do not at least 30 year olds yeah though whiskies that meet the expectation of malt masters strict senses are chosen to be part of this top of the line bottling that defines the soul and matter of what Glenfiddich is and it, it was and at the end of those seven drinks it was very much a bit of not the experimental ones maybe but you know it was a it was a nice closing Finished. yeah I liked it a lot I, tell I wouldn't buy a bottle not at 580 euros yeah. or something mm -hmm. for one mm -hmm. bottle mm -hmm. I'd rather buy six bottles of Monimara yeah uh, well not maybe three bottles of the 22 year old Monimara <laughs> that's the answer uh -huh. uh, now we're yeah okay. but I get that but I think it uh, if you want something special to, to finish the night off yeah it was good so your two two best bottles that we drank XX. 
was definitely in there. XX, definitely XX. for me as well. 21 year old. And the 20, yeah. And that we, li- we, we finally agree on something. Yeah! I like that. And the fact that it was really funny when you dropped the glass bottles on the pavement before we went in. <laughs> we agree that that was also yeah, funny. That was also very funny. Funny yes. enough, the, uh, the couple that was sitting next to us on the table, they also had that as one and two and a two as one. They bought one of those bottles. Yeah. Well, that would have been funnier because his 21 year old was slipping out of the box it as was he was carrying it. Almost falling. And I was thinking, to the hey, he's doing a meringue. Yeah. Meringue is starting a new fashion. Yeah. Yeah. Drop a bottle of whiskey. Dropping bottles. But I really felt I had to tell him, you don't want to lose that 21 <laughs> year old. Anyway, that's all, I guess. I guess. This is a bit yeah. different. I hope people have, have enjoyed this. Mm-hmm. Kind of come out at 23 minutes. Really? 23 minutes of oh. pure whiskey. Whoops. Yeah, well, maybe uh, we'll copy some of these notes across so they can read up on it and then take it from back. Yeah. That means that the 22 minutes here and the time before, we're back at 50-odd minutes again. Oh, and there we go. We're finishing. Yay. Bye-bye.